Now, last week we started in chapter one of the book of Galatians, and um, if you remember, I came up with this equation saying Jesus plus no one else equals everything. Amen. Do you want to say that with me? Jesus plus no one else equals everything. We concluded that the gospel, that the good news of Jesus um, did not come from man. It didn't even come from the church. But it comes to us individually um, to, from Jesus himself by, as Paul put it, a revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, this morning, if you cannot say that Jesus gave himself for me that he might deliver me from this present evil world, then you cannot claim to be a follower of Jesus. Unless you can say, oh yes, Jesus gave himself for my sins, and that he might deliver me from this present evil world. Followers of Jesus know what that is about. Followers of Jesus get excited about that. Followers of Jesus say, that's what he's done for me. It is that he has given himself for me, but you need to know he's working in me to deliver me from this present evil world. And the fact is that we are in this place this morning because of his amazing grace. Now, having said that, we come to chapter 2, and I want to show you this problem that will come up in your Christian life, because not long after becoming a Christian, there's this temptation to drift. And I want to tell you something else. It's a temptation to drift that will come, and not only shortly after you become a Christian, but also at different stages through your life as you go through life's journey. There will be these temptation moments where you are tempted to drift. In fact, that's why Paul was writing to the Galatians. You remember, in chapter 1, he says this, and this is how the Message Bible puts it. I can't believe, chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, I can't believe your fickleness. How easily you have turned traitor to him who called you by the grace of Christ, by embracing a variant message. It is not a minor variation, you know it is completely other, an alien message, a no message, a lie from God. And so what Paul is saying here and what the Galatians draw us to see is that there is going to be these moments of temptation to drift from the faith. I want to show you, and it's in your notes, this drawing um, that um, was so well put together for me by one of our, our artists here. But, but this temptation to drift, right in the middle there you find the heart of God, the Father God, that it is that by faith in the Son and by power of the Spirit, He wants us to dwell under the favor of God. Now how many here would say, I want to live under the favor of God? I, I want to move under God's favor. And in chapter 1 and chapter 2, Paul is bringing out just the uh, amazing life that Jesus gives us, the amazing life that he offers us. It's a life of freedom and liberty. But the temptation comes as we journey in this Christian life, and it'll start soon after you become a Christian, 
It, it is the temptation to slip back to living under law, which will take you into bondage. Poor guy is behind bars there. The fact is that you can slip either back into bondage and into legalism, and we're going to talk about that this morning, or it will be that you'll slip the other way into the swamp of the flesh. And by that, friends, I mean in this, that it will be that you will now live your life with a God-doesn't-mind kind of attitude. God doesn't mind if I sin. God doesn't mind if I de- deliberately go this way and that way against His will. So Paul is telling us that when we come to Jesus, we are brought into the favor of God by the power of the Spirit because of faith and devotion to Jesus Christ. But then this freedom will come under attack. It will come under attack by the pull of the law or it will come under attack by the pull of license, feeling that we can live like we please and God won't mind. And you know, friends, if it is that you are not living under the law, but you've slipped into license, that's as bad as living under the law. Living under the law, you will be all religious. Living under the law, you will have a legalistic attitude But if you slip into the swamp of now the license to do as I please, I want to tell you that that's as bad as living under the law. Paul says you need to know that both are dangerous. You know, in the UK, I used to go on these walks and we have these um, mountains. And and, uh, there are mountains that um, are such a peak that as you walk along the top of them, you have to be very careful. And the fact is this, uh, that there are times when I went up there and the wind was blowing so bad, the only way that I could get along the top of that peak was to get on my knees and crawl along. And uh, that's a classic example of following Jesus. There are times when temptation will blow so hard, the only safe place is on your knees. The only safe place is on your knees. So when it comes to the law of God, the Bible says the law of God, the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, and other laws that are in the Old Testament, the law of God is good, Paul says. It actually shows us our need of Jesus. I remember asking a group of teenagers, how many of you are Christians? And uh, you know, they looked a little nervous at that question, and, and suddenly one by one, their hands went up until all their hands went up. So I said, well, that's good, but what makes a Christian? And nearly all of them said, someone who keeps the Ten Commandments. So I said, well, how many of them have you got to keep? How many, how many of you have kept the Ten Commandments, firstly? But then secondly, how many of them have you got to keep in order to get to heaven? And they said, oh, come on, John, no one keeps all the Ten Commandments. And I said, well, how many? How many have you got to keep in order to please God and then get to heaven one day? 
So they began to look at each other, and, and then one of them, who was a little bit of the spokesman, he says, well, I think keeping six out of ten would be good enough. So I said, well, look at this verse, and I took them to James chapter 2 and verse 10, and it says there, for the person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. Well, that led into a deep discussion, and um, I said, so if you break one of the laws of God, you break them all. If you break one of the Ten Commandments, you've broken them all. So committing uh, uh, four out of ten commandments is like breaking the ten as far as God is concerned. Well, we went on into the discussion, and I can tell you it was a great time because in the end, I was able to lead many of them to Jesus. You see, you see it's the thinking of people. If I'm good enough, if I, if I don't do like he's doing, I don't do like she's doing, and if I just keep a few of the commandments, I'll be all right. When the scripture says, if you break one of them, it's like breaking them all. You know, recently, my doctor ordered a CT scan of my nose. Um, she suspected that there was some polyps uh, that were causing some breathing problems, especially at night. And um, uh, I have to tell you this, the scan will not cure me. It will just make clear what is wrong with me. Uh, you see, and the law, the Ten Commandments, and others of the Lord of God will not cure us, but it will show us what's wrong with us. Oh yeah, and, and it shows us that none of us can live good enough to please God. None of us can live good enough to get to heaven. Now I have a word that I want to drop on you today, that whenever I hear this word, I go, ouch. It's the word circumcision. So whenever I mention that word this morning or through this series, I want you all to shout out, Ouch! It's a little bit like the Pharisees. Yeah, you remember. <laughs> See, the Old Testament instructed that all male Jews be circumcised on the eighth day after their birth. And if you were a male converting to the Jewish religion, you had to be circumcised. Now the problem in Galatia was that there was these false teachers that came to these newly saved Galatian Christians and said, you know, to be a true Christian... You really need to become a Jew and you need to be circumcised. Well, that was a double ouch actually. For number one, it's painful. And number two, it's not true. Only faith in what Jesus did on the cross brings us freedom and makes us Christians. Oh, friends, get it deep into your heart this morning. Only what Jesus did on the cross. Only what he did on the cross brings us freedom and makes us Christians. 
You are Christians today only by the death of Jesus on the cross and the resurrection from the dead proves that God accepted what Jesus did and we are children of the living God. I am a child of God. So Paul was saying, don't let anyone put you back under the law. One, because you can't keep it. And two, you are denying what Jesus did on the cross when you live under the law. Now, look at Galatians 2 and verse 16. It says there, a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we, meaning the Jews, have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, for the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. Now, I can almost hear you saying, this is all well and good, John, but what has this got to do with me right now in 2018? And the answer to that is everything. It has everything to do with us. Paul says the devil wants to enslave you again. He either wants you to slip down the slope into the bondage of trying to keep the law, or he wants you to slip down the slope into that swamp of license where you think you can live as you please and God won't mind. He is saying, Paul is saying, I don't want you slipping in either direction, but especially I don't want you slipping back under the law. Paul says, listen, these teachers that are coming in, they they tried it on us as well. If you look at verse 4 and 5 of chapter 2, he says this, false brethren were secretly brought in who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus that they might bring us into bondage to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour that the truth of the gospel may continue with you. Paul says, I know what they're doing with you because they tried it on us. They came to spy out our freedom in Jesus Christ. And he said, we didn't give them an hour. Within an hour, we were slapping them down. Hallelujah. I like that. See, what Paul was saying to these Jewish believers in Jesus... That because the gospel came to them... Then everyone coming to Jesus should look like them. It was that these false teachers were coming in and saying, you know, the, the, the gospel came to the Jews first, and, and because it came to the Jews first, even the Gentiles who come to know Jesus, they now need to become Jews and need to be circumcised. They believe that everyone should look like them. Do you know Christians fall into that trap trap, and we become judgmental when we do that because we have this thought of how a Christian should look and now if they don't, we begin to judge them because they don't look like us. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, that's an ouch. They didn't allow for the fact 
that Jesus chooses people individually. And he works on everyone individually. See, I haven't got a corporate Jesus. I have a personal Savior. I haven't got, I haven't got a, a, a corporate Jesus that now just, you know, he's got a mold of what a Christian should like and we're all stamped in the mold. No, friends, the reason the church is messy, the reason the church has all sorts of people and, and we fall out with one another and we have this happening and that happening. Hey, we haven't got a perfect church here. We've got a messy church because we're all individuals and Jesus is dealing with us and we're all at different stages of our Christian life and our Christian walk. And that's why Jesus said, love one another. Oh yeah. You know, I often ask, have people come to me and they say, um, is it wrong for me to smoke and will it keep me out of heaven? And I say, well, you know, it's wrong for me and as far as heaven is concerned, it may get you there quicker. And then I have people come and say, well, is it wrong to drink socially? Will it keep me out of heaven? And again, I say, well, it's wrong for me. But seriously, why don't you ask Jesus about it? Why are you asking me? Why don't you ask Jesus about it? You know, a pastor friend of mine from the UK many years ago, a guy came to him and he asked him the question, is it okay for me to watch X-rated movies at the theater. To which the pastor answered, well, why don't you take Jesus with you and ask him how he feels about it? So the guy said, I'll do that. So he went to the theater and he, he went up to the ticket desk and he asked the lady behind the ticket desk, he said, I, I'd like to have two tickets for this X-rated movie and, and, and she said, well, there's no one with you. And why do you want two tickets? He says, I, I want two tickets. She says, but there's only you. She, he said, well, I, I want a ticket for Jesus. And she looked at him. And she said, I'm going to have to call the manager. And she called the manager down and she said, he wants two tickets. It's only him. And, and, and he said, well, give him the two tickets. She says, well, he wants the other one for Jesus. And the guy looked at, at him and looked at her. And he says, we're going to get his money. Give him two tickets. So they gave him two tickets and he went into the theater and he got a seat and, the, and, and there was a seat next to him and he said, Jesus, you can sit here, I'll sit here. And they sat there and the movie started and about 15 minutes into the movie, Jesus turned, I, I should say, the guy turned to Jesus and said, Jesus, are you enjoying this? And Jesus says, I'm not enjoying this. And they both got up and left and he never went back to X-rated movies again. Now, now. Before you say John King's against X-rated movies, I'm not laying anything on you this morning, but what I'm saying is this, friends. The fact is that you can talk to Jesus and he can tell you what's right and wrong. See, it's too easy for us to come up with a list of do's and don'ts with regard to a lot of things that happen in life. 
But see, I don't want to be a pastor who is here giving you a load of laws that you've got to live by. I tell you one reason I don't want to do it, because once you set a law over someone, you've got to police it. Oh yeah, you, you've got to now begin to police it, and I, I tell you that's real hard work because you won't listen to me anyway. But I can keep pointing you back to Jesus. I can keep pointing you back to the fact that it's a relationship that we're in and not a law. That it is that we are in this relationship with Jesus. It's my feeling and belief, if someone asks me, is such and such wrong, I can only tell them what it, it is to me. Well, and, and so smoking is wrong for me, drinking is wrong for me, I've made that commitment to Jesus when he convicted me that he didn't want me doing that. For me, it was wrong. Uh, but the fact is this, see friends, deep inside, when people ask me, is this wrong, is this wrong, is this wrong, they know deep inside because Jesus is already telling them and they're hoping that I'll tell them something to what Jesus is saying, when in fact, if they'd only listen to Jesus, they'd know exactly what to do. Now, if there's something in the Scripture that Jesus says that I need to make you aware of, and, and there is actually. There's one occasion where Jesus, with this group of people who claim to be his followers, and he said to them, why do you call me your Lord, and yet you don't do what I ask you to do? Oh, Wow. How many here are followers of Jesus? If you don't mind raising your hand, you are followers of Jesus. Why do you call him Lord and not do what he asks you to do? See, you can't say, you can't say that you're a follower of Jesus and not do what he asks you to do. And, and with regard to your sin, you don't need a preacher to come and tell you that you're a sinner. You don't even need a teacher and a preacher to come to you and tell you this is wrong, that is wrong, this is wrong, that is wrong, and begin to point out all the wrongs that there is. Because deep inside, if you're a follower of Jesus and you are listening to what He is telling you, either by reading it from His Word or to His voice that speaks into your conscience, if you're not listening to Him, you'll never listen to me. See, someone who has had a revelation of who Jesus is and asked him into their lives can no longer say, I will do as I want, but you have to say, I will do as you will. Ah, let your will be done on earth as it's done in heaven. See, for you to say, I will do whatever I want is an evidence that you've got this whole Christian thing all wrong. When it is that you say, I'm going to live as I please. I'm not going to have any preacher telling me. I'm not even going to allow the Word of God to tell me. And I'm going to dumb out this voice that speaks into my conscience. I want to tell you, if that is you, you've got this Christian thing all wrong. It's an evidence that you've never had this real encounter and relationship with Jesus. 
or that there's something terribly wrong with your relationship with Jesus. When you have a relationship with Jesus, it may be difficult, but you are going to do whatever he tells you to do. Or you may fall and you may slip, but you're still going to set your goal on doing what he wants you to do. See, friends, there are sad, miserable churches who are full of people trying to live under the church rules. How many know there's no joy in living under the church's rules and there's no peace, there's no sense of freedom and there's a lot of people struggling with lying because they know they can't keep the rules but they're not going to tell the truth about that and so they lie about it and and they become hypocrites together. But in churches where there's a genuine relationship with Jesus... There is joy as we obey Him. And listen carefully, and there's an openness when we mess up. Or we don't try to hide it. We don't try to cover it up. There's a joy that comes because when we mess up, we don't cover up our sin, we admit it. And we seek help and forgiveness, and then we keep going. Um, See, if it's about relationship with Jesus, then church wouldn't be about keeping rules. It, It wouldn't be about bless me clubs that are called churches. It won't be about country clubs that just meet together because it's the done thing. It would be loving Jesus with all my soul with all my heart, with all my strength, and with all my mind. And saying to people around you, hey, I need your help to keep me on track. I need you to make sure that I'm reading God's Word. I need you to make sure that I'm praying. Because that's how I hear from Jesus when I'm reading His Word and when I'm praying. And I'm following Jesus. And hey, Not only will you do that for me, but will you let me do that for you? And so now we're in this accountability thing where it is that we're saying, hey, we're not judging one another, we're helping one another. We're going to keep going forward in Jesus. And then I believe that we'll have such a relationship with Jesus, we won't be able to keep it to ourselves. And now we'll have to share it with other people because we want others to know the joy of knowing Jesus and knowing the joy of living in fellowship with people who don't judge you, they help you. They don't now start to point out your sins. They come and now help you through your sins. And if we've slipped into a sticky mess, they help us to get out of it. Because, again, let me tell you, the church is messy, Christian life is messy, and the fact is, because we're on all sorts of levels of a walk with God, we need each other like we've never needed each other before. Now, I want to make a confession to you. No, no, I haven't sinned. But at Riverside, I watch people. I I don't judge your walk with God 
when you're on the mountaintop, when it is that you are worshiping God, when everything's going great in your family, when everything's going great in your life. I, I, I analyze you. And I see where you are with God. And I look to see what you do when you slip and mess up. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's, it's great to see you when you're worshiping God, but I'm looking, I want to know, what are you going to do when things are not going right? What are you going to do when temptation is blasting you? What are you going to do when it is that you attempted to run? What are you going to do? See, what happens is this, when our relationship with God is not right, when we miss up, we slip into sin and get trapped into legalism. And when you get trapped into legalism and you feel that people are judging you, it, what will happen now is that you will run from God. Because we broke the rules. And the only thing to do when you break the rules is hide from God. Ask Adam. Right back at the beginning, he hid from God. So I notice that there are people who are here one minute rejoicing and then suddenly they disappear around you from around you for a few weeks because you feel you have to clean yourself up and then you will come back. That shows me you don't understand the gospel. Um, you know, the most quoted verse in the Bible is John three sixteen. It says there, For God so loved the world that, uh, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. But you know, the most amazing verse in the Bible, the most powerful verse in the Bible, is the one that comes right after John chapter 16. It's verse 17. Because it says there, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Oh yeah, that, listen friend, listen, it tells us when you understand that Jesus is our only hope, when you understand that He is the one that by the Holy Spirit is working in our lives, that even when we fall, even when we mess up, it is that now He comes to us and He says, hey, I know what's happened, I know what you've done, I know what, where you've slipped to, but get back up, get back up, I love you, I love you, I love you, and we're going to keep carrying on. We run back to his forgiving, justifying arms because he never came to condemn us. He came to save us. Oh, friends, listen, we couldn't save ourselves in the beginning and we can't save ourselves in the middle and we won't be able to save ourselves in the end. Listen, Jesus is the one who has saved me. He is the one who is saving me and He is the one who is going to save me and take me into eternity. It's all Jesus without Him. We're absolutely sound, friends. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He makes the darkness tremble. Understand that He hasn't saved you just for eternity. But Holy Spirit is working on the inside of you to give you victory over Satan and sin and this present evil world. We may fall and we may mess up. But devil, if you're anywhere around you this morning, you need to know we're not staying down. 
Devil, if you're anywhere around you this morning, you need to know we're getting back up. Devil, if you're around you this morning, any demonic powers that would have the audacity to come in here, we want you to know that we're a group of people that mess up and we fall, but we get back up and we run to Jesus. And Jesus is our salvation. He is the one that picks us up and He's the one that's taken us to heaven. Oh yes, friends, the one who took our sins past present, and future is the one that's bringing us through this life. Now, the key verse in Galatians 2 is verse 20. Listen to what he says. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I had, a, I had a thought. It's just popped back into my head right now. You know, crucifixion. Let me ask you this. Was it a fast death or a slow death? It was a slow death. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. I want to tell you, friends, the death of our flesh the death of our desires to do wrong. It doesn't happen overnight. It is by the power of Jesus working in me and working in me and working in me. This flesh of mine does not want to die. This flesh of mine still wants to go its own way and do its own thing. This flesh of mine. And, and there are times, friends, where I literally stand before the Lord and say, Oh, I'm crucifying this old flesh again. I want you to be encouraged. A guy came to me out to celebrate recovery that happens here on a Monday night, and he said to me, you know, I'd gone, I don't know how many months it was, about 18 months. I was absolutely clean. And he said, I fell. I said, you fell. He said, yeah. I said, well, what, what did you do? He said, I felt terrible. I said, you hadn't done that stuff for 18 months and you fell? I said, but, but listen to what you said. You run to Jesus. You went to Jesus. I said, what did he do? He says, well, I'd like to feel that he's forgiven me, but, but the devil tells me that I can never get back up. I said, you haven't done it for 18 months. Rejoice about that. Give God glory about that. And even now when you've done it, you want to get back up and you want to start all over and you want to keep going. I said, I'm not going to be miserable with you about that. I said, come on, let's praise God together. And we had a little word time, and he left saying, I'm going to trust Jesus. Listen to me. Listen carefully. God does not love some future version of you. He loves you right now, just as you are. <laughs> hey, hey, many of you are old enough to remember this. Remember coming to Jesus, and, and, and wasn't these words around then, just as I am? Without one plea, but that your blood was shed for me and that you gave yourself for me, O Lamb of God, I come. Hey, friends, I, the older I'm getting, 
the more I'm having to come to him and say, just as I am. The older I'm getting, I, I don't know if it's a part of getting older, but, but it, it, the closer I'm getting to Jesus, the more I'm seeing the flaws in my life. And every day I have to come to him and say, just as I am. <laughs> Oh, and and you're receiving me. You're receiving me every time I come. Every time I come to him, he never rejects me. He never says, oh, you've done it. You've messed up too bad this time. And you've done it too many times. No, no. He says, come on, get back up. Keep going. I love you. I forgive you. I want you to move on. I don't want you slipping back into law. I don't want you slipping into the swamp of license. I want you just... Crawling along if you have to. He's not waiting for you to clean up to love you. He's not waiting till you get the rules all right to love you. He's not waiting till you stop doing this or that which really gets under his skin if you need to know it. It does get under his skin. But he still loves you. It is, friends. He's not waiting till all that stuff gets right. He loves you. And He will always love you right now just where you are. Even if you're in sin this morning, He loves you and wants to forgive you and give you a brand new start. And if it is this morning that you've fallen back once again, He is coming to you and saying, Get up. Keep going. Don't stop. You can't stop now. Put your trust in me. I still love you as much as I did when I had on the cross even if you look at the list of the ways that you have fallen short he says hey put the list away I love you I want to forgive you I want you to keep on going on so this morning I want us to be honest. I want us here this morning, as we sing a, a song in a moment, I want us to be in the place where I'm going to open the altars up. But as you come to the altar this morning, it may not be because you be, feel beat up and condemned, but because you feel I'm accepted, I'm loved, and I'm forgiven. There's some of you, some of you have been so gripped by legalism, this message will be very difficult for you to accept. You wanted me come out and beat up on people for the way they're living. Beat them up, John. If people are walking with Jesus, they don't need me to beat them up. They just need to listen to Jesus. Amen. And even this morning, even in, in here this morning, there are people who have sleep, slipped into this legalistic thing and you're under condemnation. You don't feel good enough. You don't feel you're living right. You don't feel you're living good enough. And you feel you can't come to Jesus and you can't come to the altar because of the way that you are. That is the devil speaking to you, friends. I want to tell you, Jesus says, come to me, come to me, come to me. I want you to get back up and I want you to keep moving on. Maybe here this morning you've fallen into league license. You're sinning as if sin is going out of fashion.
that will swamp you and kill your spiritual life. I'm looking for people this morning who say, I may be crawling on my knees and the wind is blowing from this side and that side, but I'm putting my trust in Jesus. Let's stand together, friends. And if you need to come to the altar this morning and just recommit yourself to Him and say, Jesus, make my darkness tremble. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it, it, it's going to mean, it's going to mean that you are going to have to maybe sink some pride, but you know I need to come to the altar. So I'm asking you to come right now and just surrender. No more running from God. No more running, but coming to Him and saying, Jesus, you are my all in all. You are my Savior and my friend. We're going to sing this and I'll come back and close in prayer.